Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hey guys, you ready to let the dogs out? What? Do what? <laughs> let the dogs out. You know, like, who let the dogs out? Who, who? Off the Hook, airing on offthehooksports.com. Your home for real news, real opinions, and what really matters about Tennessee athletics. Always available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, iHeart. Like, share, follow, subscribe. Always available wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Is Calhoun correct again this time about Tennessee basketball? Wow. What an egg the balls laid last night. We'll discuss that in the O-Dome against the Gators. I did not see that one coming. Also, it was signing day yesterday. So even though the landscape has changed drastically... Tennessee wrapped up their 2023 class. No great surprises, but some preferred walk-ons that we will discuss. And why the Vols may need to be wary of another team in the SEC East that is also wearing red. That is not Georgia. Welcome to the program. Good morning. We're with you each and every morning at 10 a.m. We encourage you to check us out on YouTube. But We're on every other podcast platform, so please subscribe and turn the notifications on. You never know when you'll get a a Jacob Warren or a Cooper Mays or a John Adams that'll be thrown up there. Uh, So we're looking forward to continuing to grow in the program, and I can go ahead and tell you uh, that we're excited to say uh, John Adams very soon will be a regular part of the program. So we've got a lot going on. Click that like button to help us reach more viewers. We appreciate that. It supports the channel. And also, if you haven't subscribed yet, please do so. But let's turn to Gainesville. Caleb, we got ripped on Twitter. 
Well, at least you did. It was your take. But you turned out to be right. Uh, and that was, uh, oh, this Tennessee team is, is fine for the Final Four. And um, just because Alabama lost, are they suddenly not a Final Four team? Well, you, you were you either had a premonition or you were ahead of it because uh, that did not look like a Final Four team that went to Gainesville, especially at this point of the season. We are in February. I've always said, yes, March is what matters most, but you need to have your business in order in February, and the balls did not last night. Your thoughts on what happened in a game that they gave up long scoring runs and and just seemed inexplicably flat. It's everything I've criticized about this team and then some. Like, I like to use the phrase sometimes, I was wrong about how right I was. <laughs> Even I didn't know I was this accurate on Tennessee. I thought Tennessee's concern going into the NCAA tournament was that they would run into one of those teams that were red hot shooting the basketball from three-point range, and they might have an off night offensively, and that would cost them. Well, Florida didn't have a red hot night shooting the ball yesterday from three. They were 7 to 20, 35%. That's relatively good. That's not great or you know, that's not going to blow you up. That's not a red, that's not what you consider a red hot night in college basketball. And Tennessee still lost by 13 because their offense was that horrendous. For those of you that want to say defense wins championships and the defense wasn't up to snuff, yes, the defense last night was not a, was not as good as it usually was. They still held Florida to four points fewer than their average for the year. They lost. They get, held them to 67 points. Florida averages 71 on the year. The story of last night was the offense was horrendous. And it was horrendous in two ways. By the way, you can't say it was horrendous in taking care of the ball. They only had 10 turnovers. Can't say it was horrendous at the free throw line. They were 11 to 12 from the free throw line. They just couldn't buy a bucket from the field. And there's two two reasons for that. One, they were off shooting from the three-point line. Like I said, could be a concern. They were 5 of 25 last night. I think Santiago Vescovi, their specialist, was an abysmal 1 of 6. More importantly, though... Rick Barnes is still coaching like he's got the mid-90s Bulls, like he's got Michael Jordan post-retiring baseball, which is to say that he loves the mid-range way too much. Unless you have post-baseball retirement Michael Jordan, you should scrap the mid-range. It's the lowest percentage play you can run in basketball, Low ri- high risk, low reward. Tennessee took 12 mid-range shots last night, 12, eight like firmly that you would consider mid-range shots and four where they were kind of like they had one foot on the line, um, whether or not they were in the paint. I consider those 12 bad mid-range shots. They hit two of them. Florida took three. There's a difference right there. If you're not going to be able to shoot the ball from three, at least go inside some. And they were relying way too much on the mid-range. Mid-range shooting, poor outside shooting. That's why the offense was so horrendous. It wasn't about it wasn't about your old school. And for those of you stuck in 1975 watching college basketball or whatever basketball you watch, that whatever nostalgia you have for a time period that didn't exist, the idea of tough defense and limiting your turnovers and hitting your free throws and doing all the fundamental stuff to win a game, that's not enough to win a game. Tennessee did all of that last night and lost by 13 because their offense is that pathetic. And it comes once every five games. But you need to win six to win the NCAA tournament in March Madness. So Good luck trying to get to the Final Four. Yeah, and I'm not um, pouring salt in the wound by bringing his name up, but I remember discussing this with Bruce Pearl, and this has been, goodness, he was the coach at Tennant. Well, I know he was coaching in Auburn when I was interviewing him. So this has been a long, long time ago still. Um, but I remember him saying it's pretty simple. The three-point shot, 
is your best shot driving it to the hoop and drawing an and one is your second best shot. It's the mid-range that is the absolute worst shot. So we're not breaking any news, Caleb. This is something that's pervasive in the college basketball community and the NBA. If you watch the NBA, they're not taking any mid-range jump shots. And that that is just something to me that is um, incredibly bizarre and, and disturbing. The other thing is, the long runs by Florida. And and there are some coaches, I think it was Villanova's Jay Wright, that liked his team to play through long runs. I think Pat Summit did as well. So those are both two great coaches. But they liked their, their team to be able to overcome long runs by the other team. But at some point, you've got to realize this team doesn't have the gravitas to be able to overcome some of those long runs. And you've got to be able to call a timeout in the middle of that You've got to realize that this team's personnel, this team's mindset, their mentality is not one of which they can just fight through those long runs. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think this needs to be a team where you call the quick timeout more often times than not. And and you're right. If you, if you have one bad game and four or five, you're not going to make it deep in the NCAA tournament, and you might not make it out of the first round. Yeah, exactly. And one of the big problems is, you're right, Rick Barnes, I would be okay with Rick Barnes being like Jay Wright or Pat Summit in the 90s. Um, and even Bruce Pearl, funny enough, liked his teams playing through long runs too, I remember. The problem with all of them is, funny enough, Rick Barnes, for those who don't know, has a similar has a similar offense to Bruce Pearl out of the half-court sets. Um, Bruce Pearl was a protege of Dr. Tom Davis, along with Gary Williams. Rick Barnes cut his teeth being a Gary Williams assistant in the 80s. And they run the, they all have a commitment to the flex offense of some sort. The flex offense is a set offense that you run every play. It's not like the motion offense where, where you relax, where you, uh, it's not like the motion offense where you react to what the defense is doing. The flex offense is where you, it's a set. You have a set formation every time you go down the bas- down the court. Well, if you're on these long droughts and you're running that same offense every time, you're right. At least with Bruce Pearl, or at least with Gary Williams back in the day, Tom Davis, you can create more buckets because you know you run your two two one press. That was that was a huge part of the flex offense. Was that's only half the scoring. The other half is your up tempo full court press. It's going to create easy buckets for you. In today's game of college basketball teams break the press a lot more easily than they used to. So you kind of have to adjust from your flex offense. And it just doesn't seem like Rick Barnes adjusts that much. No, I agree. Portions of the program, especially the basketball portions, are brought to you by Zach England of Best and Brock. Zach's got your back, a personal injury attorney in Chattanooga that can go toe-to-toe with the absolute toughest lawyers that the insurance companies can hire. He will make sure that you get your just uh, rewards in terms of personal injury. That is Zach England of Best and Brock. Zach has got your back, so check him out. Uh, Smoky Mountain Red, if we go to the message boards, uh, say that Rick's team seem to always trip themselves up year after year with these games, and I hate saying that. Um, they do, and and you know, let's be real frank. I mean, there there is a there is a reason that Rick Barnes has only made one Final Four appearance. Caleb, and to take that next step to take uh, to be elite, I think is to be a floor general and know when your team needs a timeout in those long runs. Know that your team 
is struggling to get a point. That was the thing about Bruce Pearl. And again, I'm not trying to just compare. That's ancient history. But the thing about Bruce Pearl, didn't it always seem like when they were in the middle of giving up a long run that when they came back, whether or not he called a timeout, he usually had an inbounds play that got a bucket. Seemed like every single time, got a bucket. And that would slow things down or defensively get a stop. And I don't know that I see that out of Rick Barnes, and maybe that's why he hasn't had more postseason success. But the other thing I would add to that, Caleb, is who's the leader on this team? Who do you turn to and say, you are the guy, it's time to get a bucket? I don't know who that is yet. I don't either. Um, Because from an emotional vocal standpoint, Josiah James should be. Um, he's been there the longest, and Sandy Vescovi should be right behind him. You don't really turn to Josiah James for a bucket, though, because he's not your offensive weapon. But, you know, it's funny because we had Slay on yesterday talking about how so many different people can step up in the moment. I've covered enough sports, enough time. When you say you have so many people who can step up, you have nobody who can step up. Exactly right. One of my stories on that was, Dave, do you remember in 2004, let's go to football for a minute, when Tennessee bragged about how they had so many receivers, it was the Meacham, Swain, Chris Hannon, C.J. Faton. Well, they had a bunch of receivers, but the truth was they didn't have any go-to receiver because Meacham hadn't developed yet. And that really showed its reared its ugly head. That was part of what reared its ugly head in 2005 was they would brag about, we have all these receivers. Well, in reality, you really didn't have anybody that separated themselves from the pack. And when David Cutcliffe came, he basically said, we're going to establish a go-to receiver. And it became Robert Meacham, obviously. And it's it's kind of the same problem you're seeing with this Tennessee team is they don't have a go-to guy, like you said. Well, it's a team that just they, they couldn't shoot. You mentioned the mid-range jump shot. Um, at some point, you've got to have a guy that can take it to the hoop. Uh, you, you've got to have a guy that can hit some threes. But if you're going to take 12, as you mentioned, mid-range shots and – I mean, even if those convert at some average level, you're still better off at taking those shots, the three-point line, or trying to go and get an and one. Um, so, to me, those are almost wasted shots. Those are almost wasted opportunities. And if they don't figure out a way to fix that, then they're in trouble. Now, if you want to follow Rick Barnes' philosophy, and that is Rick Barnes wants his team to fight through opposing runs then this team had better learn that quickly, and they only have a month to be able to learn how to fight through opposing runs. The thing about it to me is, Caleb, it's surprising that they don't fight through that, as at times they've been incredibly scrappy. But now they they just seem to roll over during runs and get frustrated and miss more shots. Uh, I just... you know, this This shouldn't be an immature team. This is an older team. This is an experienced team. But um, I, I, I feel like I pick on this guy way too much, uh, Caleb. And I'm not saying he was the reason they lost last night or, or any of that. And let's remember they were still number two going into the game. So they, they've had a, a successful season at this point. There's no question, despite what happened last night. But I just think that a lot of times you look at the leader and the leader is the point guard um, in football. It's a quarterback. And I just don't know that. Zakai Ziegler provides that consistent presence at that position. That's that's my number one concern, and and to some extent, I think it's a bit of a root cause. I don't think they have a calming force at point guard. It reminds me a lot of Tony Harris uh, back in the day. 
And I don't know how you fix that, to be quite honest with you, before March. Yeah, it actually reminds me – uh, I, I get your point with Tony Harris. One that it reminds me of was the first Tennessee team to ever win 30 games and reach number one, that Chris Lofton senior year, 2007-2008, when they had Tyler Smith and Juwan Smith. They didn't have a point guard on that team either. Ramar Smith was the guy they tried, but Ramar was so much more of a slashing combo guard. Would have been a better fit in like Calipari's system than Bruce Pearl's system, honestly. And I remember the, the their only true point guard was Jordan Howell, but he wasn't a starting point guard. He was a backup. And they they got desperate in the postseason and tried to get J.P. Prince to step in at point guard for a minute. And they had so many issues because of that. And it didn't help that we know we know why now Chris Lofton was not himself shooting from outside that year. Right. And so you could only so he was prone to off nights. He was prone to Juwan Smith was prone to off nights, too, as he Juwan Smith was always prone to an off night because he wasn't typically he wasn't on Chris Lofton's level. So they go play Louisville. And it was one of those games where both of them were just off shooting the ball. And Louisville has that really complicated one three one zone. And Tennessee did not have or a matchup zone. Excuse me. And Tennessee didn't have a point guard that could break it. And that ended up, that's why they got blown out in that game. And you're right. That's, I mean, if someone throws in, say a team does get red hot shooting the ball in March madness, and then they throw in a complicated matchup zone against the balls on the other side, really trust the guy Ziegler to break that and figure it out. Cause I don't. No, I don't either. Um, and the, the question is, can this be fixed by March? You've already stated, I, I believe pretty definitively um, that, it can't be, and Tennessee's not a Final Four team. I'm I'm always of of the mindset that yes, teams can get hot, teams can get cold in the the games leading up to March and leading up to March Madness. Um, I I believe that yes, they could still pull things together and 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 make the Final Four. Just like I think there are a lot of great teams out there that could fall apart, like them. Um, I think a lot of things can change in the last half of February. I've seen it firsthand. But, I mean, at this point, it's pretty tough to make the argument that they, they look like a Final Four team or even close last night. Yeah, I, I agree. And they have a big – you know, Jimmy Hyams, who is credit, actually broke this down in the article he wrote the other day. Um, I, I called him out a little bit because I felt he ignored the three-point shooting issue that comes and goes. But he said that – there is a take that Rick Barnes grinds his team so hard during the season because he's so obsessed with toughness that they kind of get a little mentally drained by the time March comes. I don't know if that's true or not, but you so, it seems like you see that. It seems like they're grinding so hard, grinding so hard through games, and then comes a game where they're just mentally drained and they have to take that night off because of it. And that was last night. And I, I worry for Tennessee State. Okay, I get that, but – how can you take a night off when you're playing Florida, which is arguably in basketball your second biggest rival? But I mean, for those that don't know the history of the 2000s, I mean, the, the, there was a lot of bad blood there. Maybe these kids don't. But, um, I mean, other than Kentucky, you know going in it's the toughest place to play, right? I mean, yeah. and, it, and it may be tougher. It has been tougher at times, I would argue. I, I just don't. If you show up flat to South Carolina or Mississippi State or, you know, another team, anybody basically, I understand if you show up flat to other than Kentucky because they're Kentucky, Florida because you're at Florida and you better have your gumption ready to go, and then Alabama because they're really, really good. Other than those three teams, you have no – I can understand showing up flat 
maybe eking out a win, maybe getting beat on the road especially. Other, but those three teams, Caleb, how do you show up flat for those three teams? Yeah, no, you're right. That's a great question. But, I mean, I would say this this group of kids doesn't remember the Billy Donovan era probably at all. Uh, yeah. And that probably is where that comes from. But you're right. I, I, to a to a certain degree, you're right. They should have been up. It wasn't – it wasn't – at least with Kentucky, you could have said a Saturday noon game where you're just, you know, this was a Wednesday night game. They had a plenty of rest from Saturday's win over Texas. And that's the other thing. Can this team handle success? Every time they're flirting with the number one ranking, they, that the last two times they've done it, this happens. I've said if March Madness were a run like the NBA playoffs, best of seven series all the way, I have no doubt Tennessee could win it all. I have no doubt. But the problem, as we know, with March Madness is – it's not a best of seven series each way. It's a win or go home. And I don't see Tennessee as a team capable of winning six straight against NCAA caliber tournament teams, all of them. And that's what they'll be running into. And I just think that, look, there, there's a reason that Barnes has only made the second weekend of the tournament once since I think 2008. I'll say this much for Barnes. And if you want your kid to be developed for the NBA, there is no better coach in college basketball quite honestly. I think that Rick Barnes is the coach that could take a bunch of three stars or two star recruits. And if they stay in the system for two or three years, by year three, they'll be flirting with the number one ranking because he develops them that well. But if you want a guy that's going to look at a player's talent and draw the perfect X's and O's scheme for them to put them in the best position, you're not always going to get that. Similar to somewhat, maybe Dave, should I, dare I say David Cutcliffe in football or was David Cutcliffe to me, David Cutcliffe was a better developer of talent than he was just X's and O's game planning week to week. I felt like if you went to play for David Cutcliffe, he was going to have you ready for the NFL in three years. Yes, I, I, I don't. I, I that that that's a very interesting question. I, I'm I would say this. Um, you know, now you have the ability to do more RPO because I don't want to get too complicated because I feel like. It, Maybe some of this is lost on those that don't really watch the, the offensive line, but you're allowed to release offensive linemen further downfield in passing situations. So that wasn't allowed back then. I mean, they can be five yards downfield and they're essentially blocking um, and shielding for what's an RPO and a potential pass play. So I don't think that was available in the 90s. So I don't think there was a lot of out scheming going on in general. I think it was either your your pro style or you are running like the wishbone like Nebraska. So I don't I don't think that option was out there. I don't think David would have accepted it, quite frankly. I don't, I don't think he would have liked it anyway. But I don't think he really had that option. So that came about over the past, uh, what, seven, eight years, and we've seen Josh Heupel and other coaches be very successful with that. But that's a great question. I, I do think that um, he, he put his players in the NFL. They had great success. Um, what was, was he the 100% best scheme coach at the time? I don't know, but I look back at that 90s period and even 2000s, and I don't know that there was a, a guy that just blew you away with scheme. Can you think of one off the top of your head? I mean, I would have said Spurrier, but that, you're uh, right. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's the, okay. That's a, there was that one. Yeah. I, I mean, mean how mummy with the air raid when he came in, but yeah, you're right. Like it was, 
outside you're right it was mostly the wishbone or there, there were no rpos yeah uh how mommy would have been successful i believe if he hadn't have made he was aggressive and if he hadn't made the dumb decisions in terms of fourth down in terms of game management that's what undermined him a lot of games i still remember the first quarter when he went forward and fourth and 17 at his own 35 in neyland stadium and i'm like what the <laughs> is going on i mean i may be exaggerating by a couple of yards but not a lot Zul Beer Company is the official craft beer of Off the Hook Sports, xulbeer.com on our audio platforms. Zul Beer Company is absolutely fantastic, worldwide award-winning craft beers. And if you're in Knoxville, they've got parking downtown, so you'll have a fantastic time. Zul Beer Company. Smoky Mountain Red said Rick seems seem to always trip themselves up year after year with these games. And I hate saying that. That's right. I mean, there just doesn't. Aside from the postseason success or lack thereof, Caleb, doesn't it seem like Rick Barnes' teams just occasionally uh, during the January and February slate don't show up? Yeah, and it's a common theme among coaches that run perennial great programs that don't make runs in the NCAA tournament. The I'm trying to remember that Gene Keady at Purdue, who was Quanzo Martin's mentor, was this way is known as a beloved coach. Don't think he ever won a national championship. I don't think he ever made a final four because he was all defense. Jamie Dixon had Pitt going on a run for a while. You know, Pitt's the essence of college basketball to a certain degree, a big East pro old school, big East program. I don't think they've ever made a final four. There are these programs that when you focus so heavily on defense, you're going to have a fun regular season. You might get a regular season SEC championship out of it or conference championship. You might get a top three seed, but you're going to, have a couple of upsets in the regular season and you are not going to be equipped to make a run in the NCAA tournament because the grind of focusing so hard on defense mentally wears you down. And if you don't have the offense to go with it, that's a big deal. And also, again, I keep stressing the mid range again, the only player since I've been watching basketball who made the mid range, a more effective shot than the three point shot was Michael Jordan, because I don't know why, but late nineties, Michael Jordan, he lived and died by the mid range and he's the best mid range shooter of all time. But outside of him. And again, by the way, one of the reasons he had was he had help on the defensive end with people like Scotty Pippen. So he was fresher on offense. But if you have your whole team focusing that heavily on defense and they're just going to have a little bit of, they're going to be a little bit mentally drained on offense at times. And that shows up in the tournament. It just does. It does. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker back in exactly two minutes. And an interesting question that Caleb and I have kicked around for a while, and that is what former quarterback would be the best in Josh Heupel's system? And also, we're going to look at signing day. Tennessee picked up some a pretty significant preferred walk-on, so we'll discuss that and where Tennessee's class ends up as National Signing Day ain't what it used to be, but this class should be uh, full of building blocks for the future. Back in two minutes off the hook sports. Family has been creating jewelry since 1986. Each piece unique with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler and I want to be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater.
Inflation has risen to the highest level in over 40 years, according to the April 2022 U.S. inflation calculator. Will your investments provide you the income you need in retirement? Are you losing purchasing power of your savings due to inflation? Simply stated, if the cost of goods and services are 8% higher and you're only earning 4% in your investments, that money buys you less of what you need. Right now is the time to act. Call Guardian Investment Advisors today. Hey folks, Gary Viles here. I want to personally invite you to North Knoxville's newest sports bar and restaurant. It's Big Orange Phillies, located in Black Oak Center. And yes, folks, it's happening in halls. Big Orange Phillies offers family-friendly environment with homemade meals and the best deli South subs around. Billiards, darts, jukebox, shuffleboard, and cornhole, and a full bar. We also offer valet parking on weekends and during special events. We even have a covered back patio. It's happening at Big Orange Phillies. We want, we need, and we appreciate your business. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Dare to compare. Chattanooga, we're at it again. For the fifth year in a row, you voted us best of the best criminal and DUI law firm. And finalist for best law firm and best personal injury firm. Thank you for the love, Chattanooga. We won't let you down. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get to Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Bassies, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassie Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Got cataracts. We can fix that. Never miss another moment. With a little help from Doctors Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at CCTIs.com. talk recruiting welcome back to the program we we throw out there georgia and alabama as teams that tennessee needs to catch 
things change yesterday after South Carolina was a strong close to their class. And let's make no doubt about it. The way that South Carolina finished against Tennessee and Clemson is a big factor in why they closed the class like they did. I don't know that there's a better coach out there than Shane Beamer and his excitable style that's able to capitalize on a couple of wins at the end of the season. So, uh, Caleb, South Carolina, I, I don't I don't think it's going to year-to-year recruit better than uh, Georgia or Alabama or even uh, Tennessee, but clearly they made a statement at the end of last year, and I think it helped their recruiting class yesterday as they pick up a couple of guys that uh, either Georgia or Tennessee or both uh, had interest in late and Cam Pringle, Mazeo Bennett, and uh, suddenly – South Carolina's class looks pretty stout. Does that mean that they're going to be a more talented football program than Tennessee in the near future? I don't think so. But with all of those players that you talk about, those there are always one or two or three that uh, Tennessee over the years has had success with and has built championships around if you want to go back to the late 90s. So, Caleb, your thoughts on what South Carolina did yesterday in National Signing Day before we get to some Tennessee guys that jumped on board late? Yes, yeah, so South Carolina added tight end Nicholas Harbor from Washington, D.C. Everybody thought he was going to Oregon. He's a five-star across the board. Guys, in two years, we might be looking at the best receiving tight end in college football. I mean, we might be looking at Rob Gronkowski. Like, this guy is 6'5", 220. I I think Shane Beamer is going to be able to plug him in immediately and Spencer Rattler is just going to be able to throw him the ball. And if Spencer Rattler is anything like he was the last two, really three games of this past year, that's a really dangerous combination to be in. Now, where does South Carolina go after Spencer Rattler? That is a question because as, as we know, Spencer Rattler could just be one of those quarterbacks that kind of like Josh Dobbs and Butch Jones in 2015 and 2016, where Josh Dobbs, kind of delayed the inevitable slide under Butch Jones, Condridge Holloway in the 1970s, delayed the inevitable slide of Tennessee football under Bill Battle because that program was falling apart before and Condridge Holloway Holloway slowed it. You wonder if Spencer Rattler's doing the same thing. But now he's got probably the biggest mismatch of a target in all the SEC, and we saw what they did at the end of of last year. They also had, I want to note, um, a four-star athlete, D'Angelo Gibbs, who was initially at Georgia – Transferred to Tennessee, transferred out, I believe, before Josh Heupel's first year. Maybe it was after his first year, and is now at South Carolina. He's played wide receiver and safety. Now, to be fair, even before the transfer portal became a thing, he was transferring like this. So maybe that is a red flag at that point. But I would say that, look, South Carolina, by they by by a lot of standards, they have a top twenty class too across a lot of services. Now Tennessee is ranked higher. But Tennessee does not want South Carolina to stay relevant that long. It's okay for them if Georgia and Alabama are prominent. It's okay if LSU is prominent. You expect that. South Carolina is a program that, just like Clemson, that will stand in Tennessee's way in trying to reach national prominence. They just will. Tennessee needs – sorry? They will, but I want to be sure and emphasize this point. They will, but not in the sense of 
they're going to out-recruit Tennessee as a whole ever. I mean, South Carolina was still 16. Tennessee was eight, if you want to go by the composite. So they're not going to up and destroy Tennessee suddenly recruiting. But it's the one or two guys, it's the Sean Ellis's of the world, that you don't pick up that makes your team different. Those are the guys, the one or two guys that you pluck from there. It's not that you're going to go um, suddenly be a, a lower-level recruiting program to South Carolina, that's just never going to happen. I mean, they're never going to be behind, and they're still significantly higher as a whole. But going in and being able to pluck a Mazzeo bin, and it looked like Tennessee could at one point, uh, that kind of dissipated, or a Cam Pringle, and I pick out those guys. Those are the guys that you build championships around, because you've pointed out, and I totally agree, based off gracious two-plus decades of covering recruiting, you can't just win on Knoxville, Nashville, Chattanooga, Atlanta area talent. You're going to have to go into the Carolinas and have success there. I believe that firmly. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, th- I think plucking some of those guys out of that state, and let's include North Carolina in there as well, is, is very important. And I think when you have South Carolina with some momentum, that's – that's trouble. Now, that being said, for guys like Cam Pringle and Mazeo Bennett that had an eye on Tennessee at one point, we are dealing with this in the transfer portal area. So if Shane Beamer and his coaching staff are the coaches that I believe they are, and that is subpar compared to um, Tennessee, then they could always transfer mm-hmm. after a year. But at this point, uh, I think if, if you're a Gamecock fan, you've got to be happy with what happened in this class. You've got to be happy with what happened over the past four months. I mean, I thought that I thought Shane Beamer might be on his way out. Now he's got a new contract and big wins over Clemson and Tennessee in a very solid recruiting class as well. Yes, that is very true. Um, and you're right. We could, we'll have to see how this plays out. South Carolina could still roll over. Spencer Rattler could fall apart. There's a lot of things that could go into play. You know, maybe Tennessee won't be the victim of a linebacker starting a fight with the quarterback because he's mad he's making less NIL money because he's delusional and doesn't realize that the bigger stars make more money. Like, welcome to life. (laughs) um, So all of that is stuff that's going to show up. Another problem with Tennessee is, look, arguably their most fertile recruiting ground is Memphis. And now they have to compete with Ole Miss for Memphis because Ole Miss is a lot closer to Memphis than Knoxville is. And Lane Kiffin is going to get a lot of those players. And I don't even, I don't even look at Memphis as an in-state recruiting. Well, you got to remember though, when they were winning big in the nineties, they West Tennessee in general. I mean, Cedric Wilson came from Memphis. Al Wilson came from Jackson. Andre Lott came from Memphis. Um, They always had, they always had at least a pipeline to Melrose High School in Memphis. That was their pipeline back in the day. And I look at Memphis as a bonus. If you have success there, that's great, but don't expect it. Yeah, bad? but for in-state talent, it's almost necessary because, look, I, I, I've said this a lot, and I get a lot of hate. I've covered enough recruiting for Tennessee football at least the last 10 years. As Nashville grows in population, that recruit for some reason – the recruiting is not matching the growth. Nashville football recruits are just vastly overrated. 
they have been for a while. And maybe some of that was with Butch Jones because Butch Jones did, as you've talked about, make calls and tried to inflate their rankings, but he locked off the Nashville area, but they were all just, again, I mean, the, the prize possession in Nashville was Jalen Hurd and he was a total bust and he was not a five-star. That's more common than not from that area. The only, you know, John Henderson was one story from Nashville, but that's really the only one. <laughs> and I just, I, I've maintained for years that, you know, that area is overrated. There's not a lot of great high school football talent in East Tennessee to begin with. I mean, I think Chattanooga is probably better than Knoxville. You probably know more about that than I do, but I feel like more talents come out of Chattanooga than Knoxville. Bobby Taco, and I love that name. It makes me think of a Hispanic version of King of the Hill, says South Carolina has their Butch Jones false hope. I tend to agree with that. Um, I, I, I really do. So uh, I think that's what Shane Beamer is going to end up being. I know I sound like I'm, I'm hard on him, but that comes from a lot of people who, who know the coaches on that staff and who know that program. Uh, well, so I, I um, when when I look at South Carolina, I think they're a thorn in, in Tennessee's side. I'm not talking about the game last year. Any any team can win a game on any given Sunday, but I think that South Carolina is a thorn in Tennessee's side. I don't think they'll ever vanquish Tennessee as the the top uh, one of the top recruiting programs in the SEC. I want to remind you go to the craft treats. Craft treats is just incredible for your pet. Craft treats has the chill pills that are great for <clears throat> digestive issues. They're great for arthritis. They're also fantastic for anxiety issues. Your pet shouldn't suffer. Don't do that. Use the promo code off the hook. That's the promo code off the hook and you will get uh, 20% off. How about that? And they've got other holistic pet treats as well. Go to crafttreats.com. That's a crafttreats.com. Uh, you got to check them out. And did Jaden Rashad go to Arizona State? I am looking that up right now, but um, that um, while you're yes, thinking, oh, oh, it's, it's amazing that he would go to Arizona State. What kind of dollars did the, the, Jaden Rashada is the kid that was going to uh, Florida and he <clears throat> got out of his signed national letter of intent because they didn't have the $13 million waiting for him. Taking a look at the Carolinas again, um, <clears throat> and I kind of lumped together South Carolina and North Carolina. You had David Hobbs, who Tennessee was able to pick up out of Concord, North Carolina, and uh, Nathan Leacock out of Raleigh, North Carolina. So you had two uh, significant prospects. Those are both four stars. Hobbs, you know, is a defensive lineman. Leacock is the wide receiver. You had two out of the Carolinas in Tennessee's class. Uh, that's That's good. But I think you'd rather that number be along the lines of four or five each and every year that Tennessee's able to pull out of the Carolinas. And if, if they're not able to do that, a big part of the reason is going to be South Carolina. Let's, let's face it. If South Carolina had tanked, and I thought they would before the Tennessee game, I thought they'd lose to Tennessee. I thought they'd lose to Clemson. Had that been the case and Spencer Rattler not suddenly found himself, I think Pringle and... Mizeo Bennett very likely goes somewhere else, maybe Tennessee, and that changes the whole face of the 2023 SEC signing class. Yeah, no, you're right. That's a huge, um, that's a huge deal if if that happens, and if if they do go, I mean, you're, you know, Mizeo Bennett is 2024. Tennessee's got a really huge head start then for that class, and 
I, I thought they would tank after that loss to Florida. I mean, I really did. And so that was crazy how things turned around. I would say that you're right. I think you need four to five. I can just off the top of my head. I mean, Leonard Little, Sean Ellis, Sean Bryson. That I mean, these were all on the national championship team. Um, wasn't Billy Ratliff from South South Carolina too? And Billy Ratliff was from South Carolina. Yes. Yes. Billy Ratliff, Leonard Little, and Darwin Walker. The whole the whole defensive line on the '98 national championship team fell from South Carolina. And obviously, Albert Hainsworth a little bit later. That's a big deal. And so you're right. You need four to five because let's be honest. You get if you get four to five recruits from if you just pluck out any random collection of four to five recruits, the hope is that two to three of them work out. And so if you want two to three work to work out from the Carolinas, you need four to five. And you're right, Tennessee is there there's gonna be a lot that they have to deal with. And and look, Mac Brown, for whatever issues he has coaching because I don't think he's the best coach in the world but I will say he recruits he's a great recruiter and North Carolina winning their division last year is they're going to be hard to fight off too for a little while so Tennessee's got to fight with North Carolina South Carolina Clemson's not going away now North Carolina and South Carolina you're right Tennessee will always be better but those schools could pluck out guys that could inflate Tennessee's class they actually have to fight with Clemson to have a better class that's a problem um and so that's why I said, and I still maintain the, the biggest game of the year almost beyond the the um beyond the college football playoff was that Orange Bowl because that had everything to do with the future of college football recruiting between Tennessee and Clemson. It's no secret Clemson's rise came at Tennessee's demise, and a lot of that had to do with it all started with Lane Kiffin pushing away Taj Boyd and Dabo Swinney building his whole program around the splash Taj Boyd made. That's I talk about a lot about the damage Lane given to the Tennessee. That might be number one, <laughs> pushing away Taj Boyd and Taj Boyd ending up at Clemson. No, agreed. Um, now, if you look at Tennessee, let me ask you to pick one word to describe their class. It got off to this just incredible start with uh, Nico last March uh, committing to Tennessee and then recruiting for Tennessee. And But if you look at it now, uh, the ball is number nine in the Go Vols uh, 24-7 or the 247 sports composite, I should call it. So currently that would at number nine, which is a top 10 class, and that's great. Um, you have them behind Alabama, Georgia, and LSU. So that would be the fourth best signing class in the SEC. But you're about to add Texas and Oklahoma. Okay, so if you start to include them into the future, then they are listed ahead. You've got Alabama, Georgia, Texas, and Oklahoma, one, two, three, four. LSU is six. So suddenly they go from fourth in the SEC to that would be sixth in the SEC with two ahead of them. Let me make sure and do my math. One, two, three, four. Um, yeah, you got it right. Yes. So – Th- that you got to be better than that. So if if you picked one word to describe Tennessee's signing class uh, this year, what would you pick? What word would you pick to describe their class? I'm gonna go with doable. It, it it's it's manageable. It's something that they can grow on. But if we're sitting here and we're talking about 
sixth in the SEC with Oklahoma and Texas coming in, that's not good enough. Number 10 is not going to be good enough, Caleb. Mm, yeah, I could I could have done I could have gone with the phrase. I don't know if I could go with the word because I would have agreed with you with doable or hopeful. Um, I because on a broader scale, what I would say this about Tennessee's class: the signing class is not where Alabama and Georgia are or anything like that. But here's where it is: it addresses specific needs and maximizes the best of Josh Heupel's system. So the majority of the elite recruits in this class, the majority are defensive players. We all know that's a need, including the secondary. They got some good secondary players coming in with this class. On top of that, they got their match made in heaven quarterback. And so you got somebody that's going to, and let's be honest, covering Josh Heupel's system now a little bit, I've kind of figured out that if you have the right quarterback and just basic level protection, it, it, everybody else is almost replaceable as long as receivers have a minimal amount of speed. Um, And I think they have that now. And so you're going to see this offense by 2024, take no later than 2025, possibly by 2023. I think by 2024, take, go to another level, even by Josh Heupel standards because of Nico Imaleva being there. I think you are going to see the defense be shored up a little bit. Now let's be honest, Dave. Offense reaching another level. Defense being shored up from where it is right now. That's you you fix those two things. You you would you do those two things. I think you beat either South Carolina or Georgia this past year. And you're in the college football playoff at that point. If I'm Tennessee, I'm taking whoever pitched in for Nico this year, and I'm saying your 2024 money is going to um, be split amongst the best cornerbacks in the nation. It's exactly what I'm saying. You take that $8 million, you split it three different ways. Uh, portions of the program brought to you by City Heating and Air Conditioning, cityheatandair.com. Integrity matters. They'll take care of your HVAC unit, and they're not going to have add-ons. They're just going to make sure you get what you need. That's City Heating and Air Conditioning, City heatandair.com. What quarterback in the modern era would be the best fit for Tennessee in Josh Heupel's system? And I'm going to surprise you with one. We're not going to go too far back, just like the 80s or so, but I'm going to surprise you with a couple. Stay tuned. Back in two minutes. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker off the hook school. Sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get the Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Bassey's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassey Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Hey folks, Gary Viles here, Viles Automotive on Callahan Drive. I've been selling cars here in East Tennessee for 27 years. In that time, I've come to realize it's not about the car. It's about you, the customer. So I'm here to take care of you just like family. Good credit, bad credit, you name it, we can get you taken care of. If we don't have it, 
We can find it for you. We go across the country to get any vehicle that you want. And here at Viles Automotive, we don't believe in fake numbers. We just give you great deals. And as always, we want, we need, and we appreciate your business. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Chattanooga, we're at it again. For the fifth year in a row, you voted us best of the best criminal and DUI law firm. And finalists for best law firm and best personal injury firm. Thank you for the love, Chattanooga. We won't let you down. Our family has been creating jewelry since 1986. Each piece unique with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler and I want to be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a well and taste. Are you in the house buying or selling market? Well, if so, AndyMasonRealEstate.com is the one place that you need to go. AndyMasonRealEstate.com is all about the best prices, the best service in the industry. AndyMasonRealEstate.com is just incredible because they've cared about their customers and over 40 years of experience in their office and that's exactly why they are perfect for you. So if you've even considered real estate in Knoxville, whether it's investing or your own home that you're buying or selling, AndyMasonRealEstate.com will take care of you. The best prices and the best service in real estate in Knoxville. That is pretty, pretty strong. All right. Um, I want to ask this question. So we have a feel now for Josh Heupel's office. We know a couple of things. We know that you have to be able to throw the deep ball to have success at the optimal level. We know that just like 
really any other offense nowadays. Some mobility is good. I mean, there there aren't a lot of stiffs anymore in, in college football. Guys can, at the very least, move around in the pocket. But uh, the days of just standing back there, Dan Marino style, are unfortunately over. And that's not a knock on Dan Marino. I think he's the best pure passer in the history of man. Um, so what quarterback, as we go back in time, would be the best fit for Josh Heupel's offense? What quarterback in Tennessee football history? Now, I'm going to cut it off at 1990, and here's why. I could go back to the 80s. Um, Caleb, that's a little bit probably before your time. But frankly, when you talk about Pat Ryan and Andy Kelly, I don't think they would be great fits anyway. So we'll just go ahead and start at 1990. Uh, And then it gets interesting. So if you started at 1990, what are the quarterbacks that would be – which quarterback, if you had to pick one, and uh, chime in on our message board. If you hadn't hit that like button yet, please do that. Greatly appreciate it. Brings more people into the channel. So what quarterback in Tennessee football history would be the best fit for Josh Heupel's system since 1990? So I'm going to start this by telling people that the greatest quarterback, arguably of all time, who I defended yesterday, Peyton Manning, I barely have in my top five because Heupel's offense is about mobility and a big arm, neither of which Manning had. I'm going T. Martin. I think T. Martin had the most beautiful deep ball we ever saw. He was mobile. And I think that if, and if you allowed, if you had hypo system that allowed receivers to get open back then, oh my gosh, T. Martin throwing them the ball would have just been amazing to watch. So if, if we go from T. Martin forward, you've got Tyler Bray, you got Casey Clawson, you got Joshua Dobbs. Uh, Smoky Mountain Red just said Tyler Bray. Tyler Bray, is he mobile enough, Caleb? Was he mobile enough to pick up some some yards if if the coverage is there? Because that's what they're that's what Heibel's quarterbacks are asked to do. They're asked to read the safety. And if for some reason the defense does a great job of, of covering uh, both routes, then it would be nice if you could pick up 6, 8, 10, 12 yards on the ground. Yeah, but I still think Tyler Britt, you know, I think mobility does add a layer to Heibel's offense. I still think you can run it without it. Um, this is why I had T. Martin ahead of Tyler Bray because of that mobility factor. But that year, 2012, Jim Chaney designed a lot of plays where he spread the field because he wanted to get Corderell Patterson and Justin Hunter open. And Tyler Bray delivered some dimes when they beat the defense. And, I mean, could you, again, he had such a pretty deep ball that I think that, what you're missing with the mobility would be made up for with his incredible, I mean, his rare cannon for an arm. You mentioned Josh Dobbs and Casey Falkland, and even Eric Ainge. And I don't think any of those guys would be in that list in this system because none of them had, they all had decent arms, but none of them had like rare cannons for arms, just beautiful, beautiful deep balls. And Paulson and Ainge were straight up statues in the pocket. And so I wouldn't have them. Yeah. The other thing to raise credit is the quick release and the quick reads. He got yes. it quick. It wasn't just a strong arm. It was a combination. 
the guys on the message board are just absolutely predicting me, and they're absolutely right. It, I, I do think I, I, it's hard for me to go against T. Martin, but for the sake of the conversation, I would. I, I think Heath Schuler would have been phenomenal in uh, Josh Heupel's offense. I think that he is every bit the athlete of anybody that we talked about. I've said before, if a track coach came up to him when he was 12 years old and said, would you like to win the gold in the decathlon? And he Schuler said, yes, that he would have won it. If he would have started training at 12 years old, he would have been pole vaulting. He would have been long jumping. I think he's that good of an athlete and would have won the Olympic gold medal in the decathlon. I firmly believe that. Um, so I, I, I'm going to go with Heath Schuler. The other thing about Heath Schuler is that the reads in, in that offense with David Cutcliffe were very simple because they knew his athleticism could do the same thing that uh, athleticism does in Josh Heupel's offense, and that is the ability to turn maybe a good uh, a coverage into – you know, eight to 12 or more yards on the ground. So I've got to go at Heath Schuler even above T. Martin. The one thing, T. Martin did throw a slightly better deep ball, I, I believe, than Heath. But the way it dropped up, it, it had more loft on the ball. But Heath's arm was still at a, a nine, nine and a half on, on that scale. Uh, Heath Schuler just, I think, would have been phenomenal. And, um, but I think really when you talk about Heath and T as, as far as the quarterback since 1990, that would have been great fits. You're splitting hairs and those two are a level above everybody else we've mentioned. And then, and then there's Tyler Bray and then there's kind of everybody else in my opinion. What about one more name? And I wanted to throw it because we've had him on the show, Jonathan Crompton, because Crompton was oh, yeah, somewhat yeah. mobile and Crompton had actually, I think his deep ball was his biggest strength. Again, I remember watching that 06 LSU game when Crompton got when Ainge got hurt and Jonathan Crompton came in and he wasn't great on like the short accurate routes, you know, moving the ball down the field, but a couple of times Cutcliffe was just like, "Hey, chuck it deep and see if Meacham is there." <laughs> when he did that, he threw it on the dot. There was one touchdown pass, 75-yard touchdown pass to Meacham when he was double covered and he dropped a dime right in Meacham's hands. I will actually say this and you're going to think I'm crazy. And I can't believe I didn't think about him um, because I'm, I'm a big fan of him and his family. I, I would put him above Bray. Um, I, I think that his he had better ability. He had the cannon for an arm. He threw a great deep ball. Maybe didn't get it out quite as quick as Bray. But, again, I think we're back to splitting hairs. So if you made me rank it, I would go tied for one, Shuler, Martin. Then I would go Crompton very very close and then it kind of drops off to everybody else so i'm reestablish. i can't believe we left him out quite frankly because i've been thinking about this question since we discussed it yesterday um but yeah i think he would have been fantastic in this offense yeah i i agree i think he would have been incredible and i know we don't count him because he only started maybe two games but if he hadn't been so ridiculous with his behavior and gotten kicked off the team james banks <laughs> I mean, James Banks, too, in this system. He had a pretty big arm also. Um, well, you talk about a great natural athlete. My my one James Banks story, and I think this will pretty much illustrate his career, is 
he got in trouble at practice one time. This is when practice was completely open, and they said, uh, you need to run because, which I, I don't, that's like a high school thing, you know, that, you know, you don't make people run anymore, but they pulled him out of practice and they said, you need to run around the field. And he instead just went and stood over next to the water and did like about 10 knee bends, 10 air squats. And that was considered his running, but he was so incredibly talented and they were at this crossroads <laughs> with the program that they needed. They didn't really have a, bona fide playmaker other than him so it's like all right 10 deep knee bends 10 air squats will do you don't have to run just get back on the practice field i mean sometimes players and i remember there was another example of a guy who didn't care to get in trouble over and over and over and they'd say you got to run and he goes that's okay i'll run it. it just makes me better there are sometimes where players can have leverage over coaches and i've said to myself i would never want to be a coach for that reason to have an 18 19 20 year old kid have leverage over me no i'm good you're talking about your you know a coach letting a player go leave practice and come back with a 10-foot pole and chase an offensive lineman i'll give you another one um uh, albert toina left practice during the middle of practice in a game week and the coaches had a one coach who may or may not have the initials pf uh had to go to his apartment and say hey will you please come back on the team oh my gosh (laughs) oh man i could absolutely not imagine that and Hey, I'm confused by the comment. He said Banks just fell over against Georgia. It was marvelous. I thought that I, I thought that was one of Philip Fulmer's best coaching jobs. I can't remember who was hurt in that season, but when Banks ran around in Athens, who was hurt? Clawson had gotten hurt. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's funny was they didn't. The only I thought it was his best coaching job in the fourth quarter. I thought Banks was held. But I thought they waited too long to turn Banks loose. If I'm being honest with you in that game, um, because they had, they were down 18 to nothing and then scored two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. I felt that if they had let Banks play his style early on, they really might've won that game. Um, uh, I, I, wanted to get- I thought going in, they had no chance and to give themselves a chance. I can't remember who the other backup quarterback was, but you didn't know Banks was going to start. Well, CJ Leak started, remember one series. And then they put um, it out. And that's when Chris Leak's family was in the stands. And that's the mm-hmm. moment that Chris Leak said, I'm not going to Tennessee because my brother just got benched. Yes. Yes. That's exactly what happened. Okay. Um, it's all coming back to me now, Caleb. <laughs> I wanted to get back real quick to, you know, we talk about running offenses because just random look back in history, that 93 he Shuler offense, was that the most multi set offense in Tennessee history? Couldn't they go from throwing the bomb to throwing the op- running the option the very next play if they wanted to. They could. They could. Um, they could. So it was uh, – um, yeah, it, it was an offense that was tailor-made to his physical ability. And, um, yeah, it was it was some ways similar. Um, not, not in the sets, but just the simple reads – to what Josh Heupel does. Portions of the program brought to you by Vassie Lawn and Garden. Man Alive, it's worth the drive. Vassie Lawn and Garden. If you're in Nashville, Knoxville, Chattanooga, it doesn't matter. Your industrial mowers are waiting for you. If you need to 
reinvigorate your fleet or you need some commercial mowers. Maybe you're starting your own landscaping company in 2023. That's your resolution. I've thought about that. Less technology. And also you can get the hedgers and the trimmers. I've owned a landscaping company before. Who knows? I might go back to my roots one day. Um, but uh, Bassey Lawn and Garden is phenomenal in Cleveland. You will absolutely love it. Leek's dad, what a headache. I'd forgotten about Juicy. It was, don't know much about Leek's dad. Sorry, guys. I know the CJ Leek, Chris Leek drama, but don't know about the dad. Wow. There was, there was a lot of it. Uh, have a fantastic day, everyone. We'll be with you at 10 o'clock tomorrow. Fred White will join us, former Vol. He's each and every Friday. As I mentioned, John Adams is going to start not next week, but the following week. And we've got more exciting news. We visit with Ron Slay each and every Wednesday. So we've got uh, we've got some exciting things coming up as uh, we gear up for both the off season and the season hit that like button we greatly appreciate it brings more people in the channel if you haven't subscribed yet we really appreciate that uh it, as we continue to grow i can't thank everyone enough it's been a fantastic uh fun community and it's going to be absolutely monstrous caleb calhoun is working his rear off and caleb Giroux as well so we keep it rolling right here on Off the Hook Sports. Have a fantastic day, everyone. For Caleb Calhoun, I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.